0: You are listening to the Crossing Anchor Podcast in Detroit, Michigan. So glad to have you with us today. If this encourages you or helps, please share the word and bless others as well. Let's start with today's content. Well, today I want to talk to you out of the book of John in the 15th chapter. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, If you don't have your Bible, that's totally okay. Uh, The scripture will come up behind me. But John chapter 15, 1 through 5 says this. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Notice it says in the vine, not a vine, in the vine. It says neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to take the next few moments and talk to you about a message titled abide in the vine abide in the vine but first can we pray jesus we we just thank you we come to you today humbled to to be in your presence Uh, we just want to give you honor and praise and glory for all that you've done and all that you're you're worthy of and so we just thank you today Uh, give us ears to hear eyes to see Open our hearts and our minds to receive what it is that you want us to hear today, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Has anyone ever heard of the song Donka Shane? (laughs) You know, the one made famous by the great Ferris Bueller, you know? It sounds like this. Donka Shane, hey Donka Shane, in Central Park in fall, you ripped your dress, what a mess. Donkashein, anyone know it? Yeah? yeah? If you didn't know, the term Donkashein means thank you so much in the German language. And that is the extent of what I know in German, so you're welcome. <laughs> uh, a few years ago, I had the honor of attending a church where uh, it was predominantly uh, German uh, based. So there were a lot of German uh, members in this church, and it was so cool. They were having a worship and prayer night. And uh, I got the opportunity to pray with some really, really great people. And uh, I'm like in the middle of prayer and I'm like declaring Jesus this, Jesus this, Jesus that. And I just keep hearing, Donka Shane, Donka Shane. And my name is Shane, so like I'm trying to, I'm trying to pray, but I'm getting distracted because I feel like I'm, I'm praying, but are you, are you trying to talk to me right now? And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, but in reality, They were saying thank you to Jesus, but in the moment, I I wasn't sure if they were talking about me or if they were talking about Jesus, but do you know that every time we open up the Word of God, it's talking about you? It's talking about you, it's talking about everyone else, and it's talking about Jesus. And the reason why that's important is because we could come across a text just like the one that we read, and we could say to ourselves, wow, that's some really beautiful poetry, Wow, those, those words are so eloquently written on this piece of paper, but it has nothing to do with me, so I can just move on. I don't need to pay any attention to it. However, when you understand that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, has everything to do with you, you start to read it a little bit differently. So as we break down these words and these verses today, I want to encourage you to lean in. I want to encourage you to observe this text with me because I truly believe that God has been trying to tell us something, that God is trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell this church something and he's going to give us a revelation and that revelation isn't just going to be a revelation. That revelation is going to change and help our relationship. So I want us to make sure that we observe what's going on because the fact of the matter is this term when Jesus says, I am the true vine. When he says, I am the true vine, we could could easily, so easily just think to ourselves, it's just like any other I am statement that Jesus says throughout the Bible. But this one is distinctly different. And the reason this is different is because he is explicitly only talking to believers. When he says, I am the vine, this is now a conversation that he's having with his disciples. There's, there's not a, a big group of people around. There's not uh, non-believers. There's no Sadducees or Pharisees around. This is just an intimate conversation between him and his disciples. Why? Because truthfully, non-believers don't bear fruit. It says it right here in our text, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you are not, you're not in Jesus you do not bear fruit and also salvation itself isn't necessarily a fruit bearing event in other words just because you're saved it doesn't mean that you bear fruit and what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples is I have some expectation for you I want to make you aware and I need you to fully understand because we live in a day and age where it's easy for us to disconnect However, I want to make sure that we stay connected because although you're going to deal with some things and you're going to go through some stuff, there's no way that we can miss out on this relationship. In fact, it's not only important to know what he's saying, but it's imperative that we know when he's saying this. See, this statement was made in his final hours. This is moments before he's getting arrested, moments before he's going to get crucified, So we have to ask ourselves this question, why would he share these words with this group of people in this exact moment? What is it about this moment? This doesn't seem like the time for sweet poetry. This isn't the pep talk I thought we would get before Jesus is going, why? But if we simply look at this as a poem, or we simply look at this as beautiful words on a paper, then we're going to miss out on what it is that he's trying to communicate to his disciples. And what he's saying is, the days are about to get dark. People that used to argue with you are going to try and kill you. They're going to try to arrest you. They're going to try to sabotage your ministry. They're going to try to stop you. However, I want to make sure that you stay connected with me. I was on a flight a little while back, and I needed to get some work done, so I opened up my laptop and I or opened up my backpack and I took out my laptop and I opened up my laptop, and I go to sign on to the Internet, because that's what you do when you're on an airplane, and I noticed the price of the Internet. <laughs> and I literally asked myself, "Am I paying for Internet, or am I paying for jet fuel? But how many of us know that there is a cost to connecting? Uh, yeah. It doesn't come cheap. It doesn't come easy there is a cost to connect and what god is saying here is the cost of connecting with me is not greater than the fruit that i want you to bear the cost of connecting with me the trials you might face the tribulations you might face the storms you might face don't even compare to the fruit that i want you to bear because if you look at the price some of us may be tempted to say i don't want that deal But what you don't realize is that this is a deal that you cannot miss out on. Although it seems like this deal is going to be difficult, that this deal is going to put you in some rough spots, the fact of the matter is when you follow Jesus, when you make that choice, you're choosing a dangerous path. However, to choose to not follow Jesus is to follow a deadly path, which is My first point for us today, following Jesus is dangerous, but not following him is deadly. What Jesus is saying is, you're going to follow me because without me there is no living. That's why he opens up this section with this verse and this statement. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine. In another translation, the message translation, it says, I am the real vine. What is he saying to them? What he's saying is, look, you're not going to see me for a while. And as a result of not seeing me, you're going to see other options. You're going to see other choices. You may be introduced to other religions or other ways of thinking. However, just because I'm not physically in front of you, it doesn't mean that we can't stay spiritually connected. In fact, we need to make sure that we stay spiritually connected because if you are not careful, if you are not careful, you may end up following something that you shouldn't be following. This is why he says, I am the true vine. I am the real vine. He's letting us know that there are other options. He wants us to be aware there's other options out there. However, those other options don't even compare to what we have in him. Has anyone ever been to New York City or heard of Fifth Ave? Anyone? So if if you don't know, Fifth Ave is famous for some of the greatest designers in all of the world. You could walk down a block and you have some of the greats like Chanel and Louis Vuitton and Saint Laurent and all the ladies in the room are like, yes, Lord, I receive it, amen. But you could walk down one block and you can find designers and brands and clothing lines that are comparable to one another. And what Jesus is saying is this, he's saying you can walk through life but you will never find another like me. There's no one that even compares. You're going to see other options, you're going to see other stores, you're going to see other opportunities, but you will never see another God. You will never see another Jesus. So be careful what you're putting on. Be careful what you're wearing, because if Jesus is not in the tag, then you shouldn't be wearing it. And I get that it's persuasive, right? I get that it's interesting. I get that it's seductive. But it's fake. And so you think you're walking down 5th Ave and you're shopping at these designer stores, but really you're walking down Canal Street and you're buying stuff out of garbage bags. What you're wearing is fake. It's a bootleg. What Jesus is saying is, when he says, I am the true vine, he's saying, first things first, I need to get this out of the way. I am the realist. In fact... Not even the realist, because to say the realist would mean that there is another real when there is not. Jesus is the only real. And here's what you need to know. There is no other God but me. And if you don't find it in my word, then you don't try to change it, and you don't try to use it, and you don't try to follow that path. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So you follow me, and if you're not following me, then you're following wrong. Essentially, that's what he's saying when he says, I am the true vine. He's saying, I am the only real vine. There are other options, but those other options are fake. I am the only real. But because he is so real, he keeps it real, right? (laughs) He says, because because we're connected, there's there's some stuff that I need to work in you and through you. He goes on to say in verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. My second point for you today is this, God cuts away what we don't need so that we can become what he needs us to be. God cuts away what we don't need. So what what is it that we don't need? We don't need anger, right? We don't need greed. We don't need laziness. We don't need lust. We don't need false theology. So what he says is, I don't need to prune those because I, we don't need those. Those are not my character. And since you're becoming more like me, I want you to carry what it is that I carry, and I don't carry those things, so I'm going to cut them off. But then there are the other areas, which is the fruit that I'm going to prune. See, there's a big difference between cutting and pruning. When he says I'm going to cut it off, it's cutting off the things that we don't need. Because when we pray a prayer that sounds like this, God, I want to honor you. God, would you make me the man that you've called me to be? Would you make me the woman that you've called me to be? Essentially, what we're saying is we want him to cut off the things that should not be there. But then when we pray the prayer that says, God, make me more like you, allow me to be more loving, allow me to be more kind, what we're asking for is to begin the process of pruning. There are the fruits of the Spirit, and I'm sure that you've heard of them, but in Galatians 5.22 it says, these are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when the Bible says he wants to prune the fruit, this is what he's talking about. But because of bad translation or maybe human error, we have been mistaken for a while of how we've looked at this verse and believe this. See, I would be a faulty teacher if I were to get up here and try to talk to you about all of these fruits and then individualize them. Maybe I try to call faithfulness an apple and self-control a mango, and I try to break down each of these different characteristics as different fruits however that's not the case they are not different they're actually one and the same see if I take that apple that we call faithfulness and I cut it down the middle what we find inside is not just faithfulness what we find inside is love what we find inside is joy what we find inside is peace peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control If I take that mango and I cut it up into pieces, what we find inside isn't just self-control. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it's self-control. So then we understand now that these are not isolated. We don't have to build each one separately. In fact, it's impossible to grow in each one separately. You don't grow in love and not grow in joy. You don't grow in peace and not grow in patience. When you grow in joy, you grow in patience. When you grow in love, you grow in self-control. It happens all together. And this is what happens through the process of pruning. God says, I'm developing you to become more and more what it is that I've called you to be. But here's also the truth. You're not going to get it right every single time. Which is why my third point for us today is even if we don't get any better, we're enough in Him. Even if we don't get any better, we're enough in Him. And this speaks to the grace of God. John fifteen three says, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. What He's basically saying here, here is there are different kinds of disciples. There are different kinds of believers. See, there's one believer that may be new to the faith, and that believer that's new to the faith will say things like, I'm not right yet. I'm not right yet. I'm not clean yet. I'm not in the position to be pruned and cut and changed. I need to go fix myself first and then come back. But wouldn't that suggest then that we can do anything good on our own? Wouldn't that, uh, wouldn't that eradicate the statement where it says, apart from me, you can do nothing? When it says, you can't do anything when you are disconnected. When he, what he's saying here is, my grace is sufficient. Yeah. I accept you just as you are. I don't need you to change anything it is about you because I'm going to do that. So whether you come in your best or you come in your worst, you are in the perfect process to now engage. And then he's also talking to the disciples that were in the process already. The ones going through the pruning and going through the cutting, but maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they messed up. Because we all know that disciples make mistakes, right? We know that disciples don't get it right every time. In fact, I would go out on a limb and say 100% of the disciples that lived in the past and will live in the future will make several mistakes. So here's what he says. Because you're going to get it wrong, that doesn't mean that you stop. That doesn't mean that you disengage from the process. Just because you make a mistake, just because you mess up, just because you drop the ball, just because you don't do what you say you're going to do, it doesn't mean that you disconnect from me. Just like when Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times, and Peter says, Jesus, are you crazy? Deny you? I would never. I would kill for you. I would die for you, but deny you? Never. But just a few hours later, what does Peter do? Deny, deny, deny. And Jesus doesn't say, see Peter, you denied, now you're out. It's never even a question, it's never even a thought, it never even comes up in Jesus' conversation with him. He just addresses him right away and he gets right to it and he tells him how he wants him to love his church. And through that, he tells Peter what it is that he's called him to do i'm here to tell you this morning and if you don't take anything at all away from this other than this please hear me we serve a god we serve a god that loves us so much that even when we don't do what he wants us to do we're still the one that he wants even when we don't do what he wants us to do even when we don't listen even when we mess up even when we make mistakes Even when we don't do what he wants us to do, we're still the one that he wants. He says, I want to use you. I want to take you and I want to mold you. I want to cut off what shouldn't be there and I want to prune what is. Because the love is there, but there's more love for you to give. The self-control is there, but there's more self-control in you. The faithfulness is there, but as I prune it, you will be more faithful. So you can mess up and you can make mistakes, but I promise you the more that I prune you, the less you will mess up. And even when you do mess up, you won't take as long as the last time to get back. But it doesn't stop there because he goes on to say, remain in me, almost as a sign of warning. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He's saying, I need you to stay in relationship with me and I will stay in relationship with you. We're going to work out these things together. We're going to work through these things together. But I need you to make the choice. I need you to make the decision. And really, he's leaving the easy part on us because it's a deal that anybody would get if they fully understood it. And you're probably thinking well wait a minute you're telling me if i remain in you i'm going to live a life of joy i'm going to live a life of purpose a life of meaning i'm going to experience unconditional love and learn how to extend that to others but if i don't i don't get to experience that and what jesus is saying is yeah i want you to remain in me but because of free will because you have a choice you i can't force you to remain in me You have free will so because of that i need you to make that choice i need you to make that decision i need you to to say that you want me and that you need me and that you're going to remain in me because if you remain in me here's what will happen you are going to experience life and life abundantly you're going to experience growth you're going to experience love you're going to experience abundance You're going to realize that you never needed the things that you thought you needed, and the things that you thought you were good at, you have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do through you. However, you have to make the choice to stay connected. Warren Wiersbe says this, As branches, we have the privilege of sharing his life and the responsibility of abiding. So we get to share His life, but our responsibility then is to abide. So what does it mean to abide? How do we abide? Well, some practical ways are this. We stay connected to His church. We make sure that we're reading the Word. We make sure that we're praying. We make sure that we're at dinner parties and we're connecting with other believers. We make sure that we are serving. We make sure that we are tithing. We make sure we're doing these things because they allow us to abide in Him. We're drowning out the noise of the world, we're putting our cell phones away, we're shutting our TVs off, and we're tuning into the voice of God. But there's another part that you have to make sure that you choose because this is where it gets easy not to abide. He's saying, even when times get tough, abide in me. Even when you face storms, even when you face trials, I need you to remain in me no matter how difficult it gets. Warren Wiersbe went on to say, as branches we have the privilege of sharing his life and the responsibility of abiding, and as friends we have the privilege of knowing his will and the responsibility of obeying. In other words, in order to abide, we must obey. In order to abide, we must obey. We have to do what he's telling us to do even when we don't want to do it, even when we don't feel like doing it. So when he says, turn the other cheek, but you don't feel like it because you woke up on the wrong side of the bed and you're feeling some type of way, guess what? You turn the other cheek because to abide is to obey. Preach. When he says, walk up to that person and forgive them, but they have crushed you, they have hurt you, they have done things to you that should seem unforgivable, you forgive them because to abide is to obey when he says take the money out of your pocket and give it to that person and you look at that person and they're wearing brand new clothes and you say God do you see their outfit do you see what they're wearing they don't need my money they don't need my money maybe they should steward their money better and they wouldn't need mine and God says no He says, no, if you're going to abide in me, then you have to obey me, and you don't argue with what it is that I'm telling you to do. In fact, you do what I'm asking you to do, because that is the fruit. The proof is in the fruit. The fruit is what puts in display our relationship with him. That even when we don't feel like it, we do it. Because in order to abide, we must obey. But be comforted because the byproduct of abiding and obeying is abundance. So by doing the things that you may find tough, by doing the things that you may find difficult, by doing the things you don't want to do, it's actually blessings on you. When you give, you actually receive. When you lay down your life, you actually gain more life. When you give up joy or when you give up something that is dear to you, you actually gain joy. This is how the kingdom of God works. And my last point for us today, you can live on your own. However, there is no life outside of him. See, when you're living this kind of life, what you know and you find out very quickly is that the life that you were called to may not feel the safest, but the truth is, there is no salvation outside of this life. So even if I find myself doing the things that I don't necessarily want to do, I do them because there is no living if you're not living in Jesus. Remember John fifteen five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying, I need you to remain in me. I need you to abide in me. I need you to make sure that you are staying connected to me. And if you are connected with me, then I'm able to see your life and the fruit of your life on full display. See, the truth is too often we think we're connected and we're not. Remember how I was telling you that I was on the plane and trying to connect to the internet? Well, the truth is I was on the plane and I did open up my backpack and I did take out my laptop and I opened it up to connect to the internet, but I did not accept the terms and agreements, so I actually never connected. It's amazing how we can think we're connected by where we sit, how we can think we're connected by where we stand, how we can think we're connected by the people we're surrounded by, but the way that we find out we're connected is by our fruit. Do you remember the story in the Gospels where Jesus walks up to a fig tree and the Bible says that the fig tree was in leaf? The term in leaf literally means that the tree had leaves. So the tree was giving off life-giving vibes. It says that the fig tree was in leaf, but it didn't bear any fruit. So what does Jesus do? He curses it. See, the truth is, if you were to read a little bit more about the season and the time, that it actually was, when he approached the fig tree, you would actually find out very quickly that it wasn't even the right time for figs to bloom, yet it still frustrated Jesus. This one commentator suggests that the reason why this frustrated Jesus in this moment is because when he walked up to this tree and he saw that there was no fruit, he didn't care that it wasn't the right season. He was frustrated because the tree was appearing to be giving life-bearing fruit, and it wasn't. See, the reason why he cursed the fig tree is because it doesn't matter the season. He says, I want you to bear fruit regardless of the season, whether it's happy or sad, whether it's good or bad. It could be summer or winter. It could be a storm or it could be a beautiful day. It doesn't matter the season, regardless of what's going on. I want you to bear fruit. See, the fact of the matter is when we pray prayers like, God, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow you. I want to bear your fruit. That's a dangerous prayer because the reality of it is the way that God produces fruit, the way that he handles his crops are not the normal way that any of us would think to handle it. See, God allows the fruit to bear in the storm. He allows the fruit to be shown and to grow in tough times. See, you don't get patience because you pray, God, I want patience and then go to sleep and wake up with more patience. You don't get self-control because you ask God for self-control and then you go to sleep and wake up with self-control. You get, when you say I want self-control, he puts you in a position where you're going to be tempted. When you say I want patience, he's going to give you children. (laughs) He's going to put you in positions. He's going to put you in seasons. He's going to put you in moments to say, if you're really about it, if you really want it, this is how I grow it. And too often, we come to church, and we sing the the songs, and we go through the motions, but we don't accept the terms and agreements. Because the moment it goes bad, the moment hardship comes, the moment disappointment comes, the moment someone's let down or offended or hurt, the moment that you don't agree with what God is asking you to do, now all of a sudden we're questioning him and we're running, and we're choosing old lifestyles, and we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And what God is saying is, I want the kind of disciples that no matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad the storm, no matter how bad the trial, they are going to remain in me, and they will bear fruit. They will bear my fruit. So I want to encourage you as I close this morning that we are going to be a people. We are going to be a church we are going to be the kind of believers that put our connection on display. Because the fact of the matter is, when you are connected, the fruit is detected. When you are connected, it is easy to spot the fruit. So when we're hated, love needs to be our response. When tough times happen, joy needs to be our spirit. When war breaks out, peace has to be our posture. When we are When times are trying, patience is our stance. When we are mistreated, kindness has to be our tone. When the days are dark, we will fixate on the goodness of God. When we are cheated on, God's faithfulness is what we will model. When we are mishandled, gentleness will be our grip. And when all hell breaks loose, self-control will keep us worshiping and praising and rejoicing. Because even when all hell is breaking loose around us, we have heaven inside of us. Even when the, war, the world around us is falling apart, we have heaven on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Cross and Anchor podcast from Detroit, Michigan. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and share this with others. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. And let's live our lives on purpose this week.